0: How are we doing today? Good, good. It sounded like you were good well, It's good to uh it's good to be back um, Shauna and myself and the kids just spent two weeks at a camp in uh Eastern Pennsylvania speaking to junior high and elementary age campers and it's been wonderful it's been a wonderful, wonderful two weeks uh you guys look big and intimidating now no uh it's been a great great time and and, uh but very very thankful and glad to be back this morning and so if you would turn in your bibles to ephesians 2 ephesians 2 last week talked about verses 1 through 3 how we are dead in our trespasses and sins and We're going to read again, as you did last week, from verse 1 all the way through verse 10. And so, if you would stand with me, let's read that. You can follow along as I read. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit We pray, Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for your word and thank you for what it teaches us about you. I pray that you would speak to our hearts through your word this morning and draw us nearer to yourself in worship and in adoration and in response to who you are, who we are, ...and what you have done. In Christ's name, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. As I mentioned last week, if you were here... ...you know you were talking about verses 1-3... through ...and really how we are dead. Dead. Not dying, right? But we're dead in our trespasses and sins. And there's no exception. Except for Christ, there's no exception. All of us are born in sin... And born in this way. And so, Paul tells us in verse 1, we were dead in our trespasses and sin. Today we're going to mainly focus on verses 4 and 5. But I want to remind us and and kind of be in, um, especially verse 3, for just a few moments. He says, we were dead in our trespasses. I want to look at the end of verse 3. Because, to be honest, um, as I've prayed through and and over the last two weeks, just looking at the passage and, and praying through the passage... Um, I've been so, um, I don't know, my heart just stopped at this last phrase and really the last eight words, nine words of of verse three, um, that by nature, we were children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Children of wrath. What is wrath? It says that we're, I love it. He's been at camp for two weeks. I love it. Uh, What is wrath? God's anger towards us—that's right, dude. And so, what Scripture says is all of us, all of us without exception, are, 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 are by nature children of wrath. And, and what wrath is is God's intense anger. Wayne Grudem says this: it's God, God's wrath means that He intensely hates all sin. God intensely hates all sin. The Scripture says that we're by nature children of wrath, children. They're going to have to deal with that wrath. Like the rest of mankind. Now, one thing we have to know is God is completely righteous in his wrath, right? He's not sinning when he is full of anger. He's not sinning when he's full of wrath because he's so set apart. He's so holy. He's so far above us. He's so perfect in every way. There could be no other response for him righteously, but wrath i've been at this camp and and i asked the junior hires this week so i'm gonna ask you the same thing um how many of you know and don't lie okay just because you're in church if you don't know then don't raise your hand it's no big deal right how many of you know that god is perfectly loving raise your hand if you know that if you know god is perfectly loving raise your hand okay keep them up keep them up it's okay i'm not gonna call you out or anything i promise now, those people have your hands up. How many of you know that God is as just as He is loving? Keep your hands up if you know that God is as just as He is loving. Yeah. He's perfectly just and he's perfectly loving. I wasn't surprised by this, but it it broke my heart a little at, at this junior high camp when all of these hands go up. I know God loves me. I know God loves me. I know God loves me. Well, how many of you know that he's as just as he is loving? And almost every hand went down. Why? Because we can't of our own imagine God being full of wrath. And we're teaching people, God is love, God is love, God is love, but God, God is love. And God is wrath. And he's just as righteous in his wrath as he is in his love. He's just as glorious in his wrath as he is in his love. Why? Because he's just. He's perfectly just. So justice has to be served and and sin has to be punished what Paul tells us here is we were dead we were dead we were children of wrath i got back um late 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 friday night saturday morning ish and uh so i haven't had a chance to listen to michael's sermon i cannot wait i've heard great feedback so if i use the same quote as him it's from the lord okay uh but john calvin's institutes um he begins the institutes with this sentence Nearly all the wisdom we possess, that is to say, true and sound wisdom, consists of two parts. The knowledge of God and of ourselves. What we may need reminding of in our day is not that the knowledge of God is difficult to comprehend and to embrace. That's more or less obvious. But that the knowledge of ourselves is just as difficult to comprehend and to embrace Indeed, it may be more difficult, first, because a true knowledge of ourselves assumes a true knowledge of God. And second, because we tend to think we do know ourselves when, in fact, the depths of our condition are beyond our comprehension without the help of God. So why do we start over in this passage that I'm sure that Michael preached? Great. Because we need, we have, we have, we have to know who we are to get and embrace and worship who God is. So if that's true, how can we possibly have hope if we're all children of wrath? How can we possibly have hope? Right? And that's where verses four and five come in. We're children of wrath like the rest of mankind, but God, but God, two of the most wonderful, beautiful words in the entire Bible. You were dead. Hopeless. Helpless. You were dead. But God. This is what you were like. But God. Dead people don't live (laughs) by definition they don't live but god dead people can't help themselves but god In our deadness what we needed was not to to make better decisions when we were dead we didn't need to be smarter and make better choices we needed to be made alive right Verse 4 says, but God. That people don't just get up off of their backs. Can you imagine you know, some guy who's supposedly dead and he peeks out of the corner of his eye, reaches over, gets the defibrillator to wake himself up. He's not dead, right? If he can do that, he's not dead. What scripture says is we were dead. But God being rich in mercy. God being rich in In mercy, Wayne Grudem in in his systematic theology says God's mercy refers to his goodness toward those in misery. And so what scripture is saying here is God saw us in our deadness. He saw us in our misery. He saw us in our need. He saw us in our want of him. meaning our lack of him, our lack of life. He saw us in our misery, and and He had mercy, because He's rich. He's rich in mercy. When we look at Ephesians two one through three. What do we see? We see our depravity, right? The depravity of man. We're hopeless. We're helpless. But God. Romans three ten through twelve. None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. No one. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. Put that on a resume. Right? Tell me about yourself. You ever sit down for a resume? Hey, tell me about yourself. Okay, tell me about your faults. Oh, gosh. I don't ever do good. Not even one. Um don't seek after god i can't i don't even understand uh i mean i'm hopeless i'm helpless like okay (laughs) go on right but that's that's our resume before christ without god there's no one righteous there's no one that understands there's no one that seeks for god all have turned aside together they've become worthless no one does good not even one Just think about that. how, How then can we be saved? How then can we have hope? How then can we sing songs like that? How can we dare come in here? How can we possibly come into a building with people like this and be so happy? Why would we do something so foolish if that's the truth? Because of God. But God being rich in mercy... And because of his great love with which he loved us, he saw us in this helpless condition and he loved us with a great, great love. A love that we didn't deserve, a love that we didn't earn, a love that we couldn't deserve or earn. He just loved us because of his mercy and love. Romans 5 eight says, God demonstrates, he shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, while we were dead, while we were hopeless, while we were helpless, while we weren't seeking God, while we weren't anything, just a corpse, Christ died for us. That's how he showed his love for us, his great love for us. I think one of the things we have to know is that God does hate sin and his anger burns against sin. And he is merciful and loving and and neither of or any of those things cannot be compromised. None of those things can be compromised. He's he has wrath towards sin and we're children of wrath. He's angry towards sin and he's loving and merciful and none of those are compromised. And so justice has to be served. Right. And so how can we be dead? How can we be this corpse without hope with nothing that we could possibly do? And yet. Sing a song like "God is mighty to save," and sing things like "I have hope, I have joy, and, and I'm going to be with Jesus forever because of His mercy and His great love." And it didn't lack wrath; it didn't lack justice. In fact, Alden, want you come up here for just a second, okay? I mean, this is my son, right? Let me stand right in front of me here, bud. Okay, this is my son, Alden. I love my son. I love all five of my sons so much. I mean, there's no way that I could sit here and just explain how much I love my son. There's, there's just just the specialness of joy, and he's my firstborn, and, and just what I see in him as I see him grow, and it's just the love that I have for him. Well, God loved Jesus and He loved us. And we were children of wrath and we were dead. And, and He had an intense, 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 real anger towards the sins that we have committed all of our life. And His justice, being just as perfect as His love, had to be met. I can't fathom that. I can't imagine that. But he took his son, his only son and in that wrath that it says in, in in verse 3 that that we were children of wrath, that intense anger he poured out on Christ. And he sent him to live this perfect life for us and he had him beaten. God had his son beaten. God had his son tortured. God had his son nailed to a cross. God did that. That's what it says. That's what it says in Acts 2 and Acts 4. That as Peter's preaching to the Jews. That, that their hands just accomplished what God had predestined to take place. And he had him nailed to a cross. Why? To show his great love for us. And so, yes, God's wrath is real. I mean, the worst part of Jesus coming and dying wasn't the crown of thorns on his head. We cringe at things like that. We cringe at at, at the thought of Jesus' back just being whipped to to where it didn't even look human anymore. But that wasn't the worst part. It was the wrath. God's wrath was poured out on his son. You can go back and sit down, okay? And so how is it possible? How is it possible for the for this dead corpse to sing songs for this dead corpse to lift hands? How is it possible for this dead corpse to say, I believe God? Because of God's rich, rich mercy and great, great love for us. He loved us so much that he would punish his son, the only only person ever who could possibly endure the wrath of God was punished for the sins of those who would believe in him. was punished. God's wrath was poured out on Christ instead of us. Why? Because of his mercy and his love. So God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. And remember, that great love has been mentioned before, right? And in in chapter one, verses three and four, he or verses four and five, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we may be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. It's his love that motivated him to do that. It's his love that motivated him to intervene and and through mercy and love to step in in our deadness and make us alive in Christ. Being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses. Paul mentions our deadness again. Even when we were dead in our trespasses made us alive together with christ he made us alive and this life giving of god is called regeneration i think michael mentioned that last week regeneration just to give you a picture of what that is and 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 why we use these words what is regeneration regeneration is a special act of god A special act of God in which the recipient, the dead one, is passive. That's what dead people are. They're passive. They just... passive. Right? They just lay. And regeneration is a special act where God intervenes. And where the recipient is passive. And God alone awakens the person spiritually through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's this work of new birth, the work of being made alive that flows from the richness of of God's mercy and the greatness of his love. It's what only God can do. It's not what we can do. But what only God can do. It's what Jesus talked about, right? In John three, when he talked with with Nicodemus in verse seven, he says, you must be born again, right? You need to be born again. You need to be regenerated. You need to be made alive. You need to be brought to life. You need breath breathed into you because you're dead. You might be walking around, but spiritually you are absolutely dead and hopeless. You need to be reborn. You need to be born again. John 3.3 says, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Well, how does that happen? It's the spirit. Because of... God's mercy and God's great love. Jesus says in John 3, it's the spirit. No one knows where it's coming from or where it's even going. It just moves and we see it move and we're amazed by it. As he breathes life and wakes someone up from the dead. Paul tells us that this birth, this aliveness comes from God's rich mercy and love for us think about that contrast right we have dead and life just think about the 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 difference there you're dead and wrath you have life and mercy what can this person do to get from there to here what could i do in my deadness to being dead to step over into life. It's God because He's rich in mercy. I was helpless and hopeless, but God, I needed Him to intervene. I, I was desperate for Him to intervene. John Piper says, you'll never experience the fullness of the greatness of God's love for you if you don't see his love in relation to your former deadness. Because verse four says that the greatness of his love is shown precisely in this, that it makes us alive when we were dead. If you don't know that you were dead, you will not know the fullness of the love of God. Look at look at 2 Corinthians. We mentioned this, this verse here before, these two verses here before. But go to 2 Corinthians 4. What does that look like? 2 Corinthians 4, uh, look at verse 4 first. Deadness versus regeneration verse four is is our deadness right in their case those who are dead in their case the god of this world has blinded the eyes of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of christ who is the image of god they can't see they can't see how wonderful god is they can't see how good god is but But look two verses later for God, who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. How do you explain that mercy and love? That in the rich mercy of God, he chose to turn the lights on. The same God that, that said, let light shine out of darkness said, see me and worship me, and live for me, believe in me. And he's shown in our hearts that we've seen, we've seen the light, of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Why? Because of his rich mercy and his great love. We are completely, as, as, as people, as dead people, we are completely at the mercy of God. And He's rich in it, Ephesians says. We think these verses that we know so well. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. The father loves the son and has given all things into his hand. Verses 35 and 36. Whoever believes in the son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the son, shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. 1 Thessalonians 1, verses 9 and 10, For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Titus 3, verses 3 through 7, Mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. First Peter, chapter one, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of jesus christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable undefiled and unfading kept in heaven for you how is that possible his mercy his love His grace, that's what it it says after his, His great love for us, He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Not by works we'll look at later on. By grace. By grace. That's why we rejoice in God and not in ourselves. Because in our deadness He saw us lying there hopeless. That that, that illustration that that Michael gave of, 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 of just being drowned, not drowning, being drowned in the depths of the sea. And God reaching in and rescuing us and breathing life into us to save us. It's beautiful. That's why we boast in the cross of Christ. That's why we exalt in him alone and not in ourselves, because by grace, we have been saved because of his mercy and his great love with which he loved us. So what are we doing with that? How are we responding to that? If I really believe that I was a corpse and that God looked on me and loved me and had mercy on me and, and breathed life into me and awakened me for his glory, how do I, how do I live? How do I respond to that? How do what am I doing with that? Is my life worship? I mean, you think of that illustration. If someone did that, if if you were at the at the bottom of a pool or the bottom of the ocean and, and somebody came, some person came, and pulled you out and literally breathed life into you and, and brought you back to life, how would we respond? I mean, we would, we do anything for that person, for that person. And do we really see, do we really believe that that's what we were? We were absolutely dead in our sins and our trespasses. But God, rich in mercy, because of his great love for us, breathed life into us and awakened us. And, and do we have the same response that we would have to some guy off the street who just pulled us out of a pool and, and rescued us? Do we have that same response? Do we have a better response for God? Are we on our face and saying, God, it's your mercy, it's your grace. There's nothing I could have done. There's nothing I could have done. I was dead. There was no life in me whatsoever. I'm no different than than the people you're talking about in, in, in Romans 3. I wasn't seeking you. I didn't want you. I was dead. And you are rich in mercy and great in love and you breathe life into me how do we respond to that grace and love and mercy are we completely just Jesus, Jesus, Jesus Jesus, Jesus surrender to you I'll do whatever you say I'll I'll do anything because of your great love and your mercy how about for others? I, I've been, as I mentioned, I've just been stuck on this last five words of, of verse 3. Like the rest of mankind. Like the rest of mankind. We were by nature children of wrath. Like the rest of mankind. Those who are, are not in Christ are children of, of wrath of God's wrath do we believe so much in this life-giving spirit of God who loved us and chose us before the foundations of the world do we believe so much in that that in love he would predestine us for adoption for adoption he he saw this corpse and said i want you as my son And adopted me. We believe so much in that. That. That we want to be used by him to. Rescue. The dead. And how is that possible? When we talk about things like this. We talk about. um, God chose us and God predestined us and. And. We can't do anything. We can't. I didn't. What do you mean? I didn't do anything. It's what's this regeneration that God just intervened and breathed life into me, and then I was able to believe in Him. We can have a, a, a sour response to that. We can have this response of, "Well, then, what do you tell me to go tell people for?" We can have this response of, "Well, how? What am I going to do? I can't breathe life into a corpse. You just said only God can do that." And I absolutely believe that. I think Scripture is unbelievably clear on that. But I also think that Scripture tells us to go. Make disciples. To love the lost. To pray for them. So, how, is that, how does that work? God's mercy there's love I, I i you know coming back from this camp i'm just blown away i'm just amazed at god's grace I don't, I don't get it i just don't understand i know that i don't have any power to breathe life in people i don't understand it <clears throat> but i know his, his word is powerful and effective I'm just seeing these students just surrender everything to the lord because of his grace because of his grace Watching these students come in who were dead, corpses. And God breathing life through his word. I don't get that, but I want to see it happen. I want to see that happen. I want to see people come alive because of the rich mercy and great love of God. how does it happen? How do we play a part in that? I think God's word is how we play a part in that. Romans 10. Romans 10. Verses 13 through 17. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how are they to call on the one who they haven't believed? And how are they to believe in the one who they haven't heard? And how are they to hear if someone doesn't go and preach? And how are they to preach if no one sends them? And then you skip verse 16 and look at 17. It says... Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. But God uses his word in people. He doesn't use, it's not me. It's his word that awakens people. And so we preach the word, we preach the word, we preach the word, we preach the word. Not because of position, but because of his word. What I mean by that is not because you have a position of preacher. You're a preacher if you're if you're telling God's word to people so that they know and hear it, and then through that God might awaken their hearts, shine in their hearts, so that they can see how good He is and how dead they are. I, I love this this picture in in John or in Mark chapter four. Nope. Hmm. Give me two seconds. All right. I'm going to tell you what it is. Maybe it is. It's all right. You remember that there it is oh why did i just close it uh, okay thank you for your patience yes mark six where jesus feeds the five thousand you remember that the story where jesus feeds the five thousand can you imagine being the disciples the disciples are the ones that got to hand that out right some fish loaves of bread just a few jesus blesses it right starts handing it to the disciples imagine the disciples looking into this basket as he's literally speaking bread and fish into existence It's a lot smaller but similar to the universe right i mean he just spoke it and like it came into existence and here he is just just being created out of nothing like can you imagine? Like, I would have a hard time going and passing it out. I would want to look. I would want to stare. How's that happening, right? But they go and pass it out, and they pass it out, and they pass it out. And afterwards, these, all these baskets are, 12 baskets full that are left over, right? They just saw him create fish and bread out of nothing. How did they respond? Dead. They responded like dead people. They didn't get it. When he questioned them afterwards, they're like, oh, great. He's mad at us. We forgot the fish. We forgot the bread. He's ticked. I think Jesus is mad because we didn't bring the food with us. He said, what are you talking about? Did you get it? Then he goes away and prays, right? So Jesus goes away and up on the mountain and he prays. And then the next day, they're out on the boat. And he walks out on the water, right? Jesus walks out on the water, walking on the water. How do they respond then? You're the son of God. They're just blown away. He's the son of God. Now, is there any difference? Was walking on the water somehow a greater miracle than making fish and bread out of Nothing no way there's no greater miracle that took place it's not like oh you can only make fish and bread you can walk on water okay i believe right there's no different i mean it's just unbelievable miracle both times but something changed inside of them jesus prayed for them jesus prayed for them and all there's not even 24 hours in between. And their hearts are awakened. Their hearts are alive now to see that he is the son of God. It's beautiful. Just beautiful how God works in lives and awakens people to who he is. That's what he did for you if you're in Christ. Go back, go back, go back, go back, go back. When you were dead, He breathed life into you because of His mercy and grace. He breathed life into me because of His mercy and grace. There was nothing, nothing about my rotting corpse that would make Him say, "Yeah, He'll, he'll, He would be better than this person, or this person, or this person, or He deserves it. That guy deserves it right there. Look how he's rotting less than the rest of them are, right?" No, it's just mercy and grace. He loved us with a great love. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your amazing, amazing love and grace. And God, I I know, I know. That I am unworthy. Of any of it. I know there's nothing that I could have worked or done to. Receive this great gift of you. That in my deadness. I was hopeless. But God. Because of your rich mercy. And because of your great love for us. You breathed life. You made me. You made us alive in Christ. And God, there's nothing that I can say to um, convince, I can get in the way of that. But your word, Lord, your word is true. And so I pray that um, you would use your word and these passages that we've looked at, God, that you would use them. I know there's a great struggle in us. There's, there's been a great struggle in me over these things, and, and yet you reign. There's no struggle in you. I just want to worship you for what you have done, Lord. And we can't completely understand our deadness and we cannot completely understand your aliveness and your willingness to awaken us. But we want to worship you for it. I pray for our hearts, Lord, right now that you would shine in us. Be glorified in us. That we would look at these things that your word says. And that we would be amazed. That we would be humbled. That you would be exalted. And that you would be glorified through our. Response to you not just. In singing a song right now Lord that's. So weak in comparison to what you deserve. But in our heart's response to you, in our life's response to you, in our going, in our shining this great mercy and love to those around us, and our exalting in that great love and mercy. To those around us, in our hope that the God who saw us in our deadness and breathed life into us, in our hope that that God who is still rich in mercy and love is breathing life today, and that our hope is in you, God, is as we go and take the gospel to other people as we go and shine you to other people as we go and and reflect your love and mercy and and glory in the cross of Christ that our hope is that you are a life giver i pray that you would you would send us out of this place so thankful and so grateful and so joy filled with with what you've done and what you're still doing that you'd forgive us for our complacency for some of us you've breathed life into us and we laid back down as if we were still dead. Help us to fall on our faces before you and worship and live our lives in a way that screams it's all God, it's all God, it's all God. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. We pray in your holy name. Amen.